music, athletics, arts, and entertainment. The Desert Tiger Podcast with Colton Geschwader. Rock and roll is more than just a label for a musical style. It's more than just strapping on a guitar and trying to be a puzzle piece in a group that tries to be all of what they think rock and roll actually is, but end up missing that true ingredient that really fuels everything. And I think that ingredient is heart. If rock and roll is in your heart, then everything you do just comes so much more naturally because it's genuine and true. Over the years of pre-built pretty boy glam rock, many of rock and roll's true hardcore fans can see through the guise that has been put in front of them, and those who actually bleed the true attitude and soul of rock and roll. Because it's more than just a sound, and it's more than just a haircut. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of headbanging, fist pounding, good time having, fast driving, drink chugging, and overall loud antics. Sure, that's not always the case, as some of us use it to help us get through our day and get ready to hang out with like-minded, ready-to-go-and-lose-control rock and rollers like ourselves. The wild don't just walk this line, they live it. The solid, catchy, greased-up guitar licks accompanied by raspy party-fueled vocals of frontman Dylan Villain drive the wild sound, while bassist Boozus soothes your ears like a cool shot of whiskey, and rhythm man Reese Lightning pounds those skins, making you want to move your feet and catch that small town groove. Add in the youth and the no-fucks-given attitude of Benny the Kid, and Wild is probably one of the only ways that you could describe this group and the sound that they present. Dylan Villain may have moved across the country, but that small town sway has not only kept up with him, it also seemed to be waiting for him at a party, just like rock and roll would truly want it to be. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Desert Tiger Podcast, and I am your host, Colton Geschwantner. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 16, whether you are listening on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, CastBox, Castify, whatever you're listening on, wherever you are listening from. This is episode 16 with Dylan Villain from the Wild, and I hope you guys are just as excited as I am. Before we start off all of our interviews, you guys know that we like to give you a little bit of music to get you revved up and ready for what's coming, and of course, your day. So I hope you guys are ready to rock, because this is Ready to Roll.
the Desert Tiger Podcast. All right, so we are here with Thrill and Dylan <laughs> of the Wild. So uh, what do you play in the Wild, and how did you end up sort of forming the band? Yeah, um, I'm lead guitar, lead vocals in the Wild, and uh, we've been a band, we started about five years ago, when one of the bands that uh, I was playing at the time with two of the other guys in the wild had disbanded. And um, at that time, we sort of knew that we were just going to keep going and we just weren't really sure you know, what it looked like because there's a few other guys in that band and they were dropping off and, you know, not doing, they didn't really, weren't really into it anymore, anymore or whatever. And, uh, mm-hmm. and at that time, you know, the, the three of us that are in the wild that were in that band just knew that we were, like I said, we were going to still keep playing. And I just, uh, I knew right away that I had an idea for a song and, uh, I wrote the song fairly quickly. And remember it came to us really quick and that song was Roadhouse. And right away when, when we played that, the three of us, we just kind of really knew that we had sort of had this moment, aha moment where we looked at each other and we were like, Oh, so everything else leading up to this was, you know, in a way, sort of like a practice to get to, or just, lead, it was all leading up to what we had, were about to do, and that became the wild very quickly, and it was very clear to us at that moment that that was the the platform for this new band, The Wild. Okay, so it sort of prepared you guys and sort of introduced you all to each other, so like, did the sound from the band you guys were in beforehand, is it... Did it differ very much from what is the wild or? Uh, yeah, like it was still, there was a rock and roll band and you know, we were yeah. a rock and roll band for sure, but it definitely was uh, <clears throat> its own thing. You know, and it was, it's a very concise idea, very funneled thought, you, you know, if you will. It was one, the band that we were in before had a lot of different ideas. It was a great band, but um, this, uh, this idea for the wild really streamlined things. Yeah, yeah. kind of allowed you guys to focus on what you wanted and yeah, what direction you guys were sort of aiming with your sound. Yeah, that's right. Okay, that's pretty awesome. So you happened to mention before we started talking that you're actually from Ontario. So what ended up bringing you out west? Um, I came out here just to visit. And uh, apart from just being like really excited, really just excited about being in BC, you know, from being an, an Ontario guy mm-hmm. and seeing, you know, just the, the difference in culture and people and, and the weather. Uh, it was just really great because uh, I went to a party and I met the, actually two of the guys in the band at that party and it was just like, we just really clicked and had a really great night and then it was much long after that that it was right away that I was moving out here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. So are you playing music out in Ontario before yeah. you moved? Yeah, for sure. I've been playing music a long time and oh, yeah. different bands all over Ontario and stuff like that. And then, yeah, just really, uh, you know, it, it really, it's funny that I was living in Toronto and, you know, people obviously Toronto and major city of Canada, you know, the, yeah. the center of our country and a lot of, a lot of ways. And, you know, it was, I was in some great bands out there and made some great music and all that, but it's funny that I moved to, it took moving to a place like Columbia, BC to really 
for things to kick off for me. Yeah. You know, that's kind of interesting how that worked out. Well, sometimes you need a change of scenery to yeah. kind of take away everything that was holding you back from actually chasing yeah. the idea inside your mind, right? Yeah, it could very well have been. You know, it might have been the right guys, too, meeting the right guys. True. Yeah. That's right, is having the right guys that share your vision and who enjoy the same sound as well. Yeah. It's uh, really good. You uh, mentioned your first single, Roadhouse. Yeah. That garnered you guys a ton of attention right off the bat. Like, yeah. that, like did that just exceed your expectations right from the get-go? Or? It did, you know, like, we weren't... We, we knew when we... I remember, like, right when we wrote the song, we knew we had something special. Yeah. And it was, you know, special to us. And we knew that people were going to dig it. We knew that it was going to be something really cool. Well, it's catchy and like yeah. that, like the riff when it just comes in with it right off the start yeah. and the chorus and everything. It just comes together so well, and it's just a pure classic rock and roll yeah. song. Yeah, so that was kind of the idea behind it. Was to, when we had the riff, it was like, oh, this is gonna work, and then added in that next part where it kicks in, da da da, and then that mm-hmm. was from that moment. It was like, oh, okay, so now we're taking it there and kicking things up a notch. And uh, so again, we knew we had something really cool and something really special. Um, but then when we shot the video, is really when it really, you know, exploded. And that video came together so well. And again, watching that uh, first cut of it, and and I remember it was just me, you know, doing it, editing the video with Stewie Kubrick, our director. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just those one of those moments where it was like oh, this is a perfect example of the the video matching the song the feel yeah, of, definitely. the feel of the song was portrayed very well in the video and uh, that's when things really blew up and, and yeah so to answer your question yeah it totally did uh, exceed what we thought it was going to do but it um, at the same time it was like we felt really good about it you know we felt like it was going to be our time well, definitely after being in a band before that had been jumping back and forth to finally like have that like actual something tell you that you guys are on the right track must yeah. have really been like really good feeling. Yeah, it was. It was for sure. Yeah. Also, uh, the video and that single ended up leading to some pretty good opportunities for you guys like opening for the likes of Rise Against, Corn, Monster Truck. Like, how did you guys end up like getting that so early in the band's career well it really goes back to that video mm-hmm. i really i gotta be honest it, it really did um that video became uh just like the essentially a calling card yeah you know like it was just like the the, the best tool we could ever have in our pocket so mm-hmm. first came the song um, and then came the video, and then radio came along. Okay. And we were getting, we were touring, and we were, I can't remember where we were, because it was going back quite a few years, but um, people kept telling us, oh, I hear you on the radio, and we'd be like, no, there's no way. And uh, was, sure enough, it was, you know, all these radio programmers and jocks were playing it all over Canada. Yeah, I remember hearing you guys in Regina on The Wolf. Yeah. And it was just like this weird thing that we didn't even know was happening. And then all of a sudden, sure as shit, it was. 
And uh, so after there was radio history, people started messing with the song. Yeah. Um, and the video behind it, it just like I said, it was just this this tool, like this this great tool that people would you'd send it to promoters or management would send it to promoters or whoever, and uh, they'd see they'd hear the song, they'd see the video, then they'd see the radio history, and it was just like this gimme. Like we got a lot. A lot of life out of that uh, that video, mm-hmm. and a lot of life out of that song, and it got us a lot of shows and a lot of tours. Oh yeah, is that uh, is that what eventually ended up leading to you guys being contacted and signed by E One Music? No, I'd say I mean it didn't hurt that whole process, but yeah. there was, that was a whole other thing. You know, we had uh, we had the video, we had the the touring history and the fan base built up independently. Um, we had had the record done Mm -hmm. so the record was already you know recorded Uh, Mike Fraser of course produced and engineered it mixed mastered it yeah and uh, so that was in the can we had the you know built up a fan base touring around had some history at radio and then uh, the agency group at the time they were called came knocking and Ralph James, the president of the agency group, came and saw us, flew into, from Toronto to Vancouver to see us and signed us. He said hmm. in like 30 seconds of seeing our, us play, which was amazing. So if you, you go back and you think about how that worked, mm-hmm. we were a band, we went on tour, we got, a, we got a fan base. We had a song that went on the radio, we had a video that had all sorts of traction, we started getting bigger shows. And then we had the biggest agency in the, in the country, and the mm-hmm. biggest agent in the country ask us to be our agent. Yeah, which and then, is pretty wicked. Yeah, and then we had the record done too. So you think of it, if you're a record label, and there's this independent band that's got a fan base, that's got a single at radio, that's got a video that's gaining all this attention, and they've got their record done already, yeah. and they've got the biggest agent in the yeah, they don't have to fund the record. They just have to produce it and put it on shelves. They didn't, yeah, they didn't really... For them, it was a gimme. And I don't want to say, like, uh, you know, we just put it this way. We had we had some options. Yeah. But I'm really confident that we went with the right one. And, you know, we're very, very happy where we're at. We love the guys on our team, and they've always been super good to us and believe in what we're doing right from the very start. They've never tried to ever... Uh, you know, sort of get in the in the way of any of that. They just they just understand what we're doing. And yeah, they believe in us, and it's great. That's good. It's good to have someone backing you that actually supports your product and believes in you. Yeah, totally. All right. Uh, what was it like working with the producer, storied and is achieved as Mike Frazier, and how did he like sort of help the band inside the studio? Yeah, well, Mike's like. Uh, not only is he like just incredible at what he does, he's one of my best friends and you know family. Oh, really? Yeah, he's family to me. Um, and the guys as well. You know, he's he's, he's very very much the uh, the third the the uh, you know like as that that uh, fifth member and the uh, bird's eye view to everything. You know? Yeah. So um, it, it was great. You know, at the start took a bit of if I remember when I very very first met him this is again years ago I for mm-hmm. sure had a bit of uh, getting used to being around a guy like that or like yeah. you know, just wanted to 
nerd out and know all the stories and all that shit. But after that all came through, we really just clicked. It was really comfortable. It still is super comfortable to this day. It's just such a such a a great experience working with a guy that you know you've revered and you've listened to all these records and you've known about them since you were a kid and then you get older mm-hmm. and then you're in the, you know you're hanging out working, making your record with him so it's it's a great feeling he's really easy to work with we just we just seem to really get each other in terms of being in the studio and working just really really get each other that's awesome yeah that's definitely deadly so you guys wrote uh, Goddamn Wild Boys before you actually took it to the label, so... Yeah. most Yeah, most all of it. Yeah, so what was the process of writing that like, and... It was cool, because in the early days, we used to do this thing, and this is uh, for younger bands, or, or, you know, bands still getting their start. If you're listening to this, uh, here's something that we used to do, and it really worked well for us. So we went out <clears throat> with one song uh, when we first came out. Yeah. And it was a, it was you know it was a great song for us, great video behind it. And then we released another song to follow it up, quite a while, quite a ways after "Party to Your Dead." Mm-hmm. And um, we had those two songs out. They were free downloads. There was videos for both of them. And uh, what we did was we did not release any of the other music we were writing. At the same, around the same time. Yeah. So when we went to start touring or playing shows, people—it was quite a while, quite a bit of time that those songs were out, and people that were in like other areas of Canada wanted more songs. Like, where can we get more songs? What are where's like where's more? Where can we get more wild? Yeah. Music? And. Uh, our trick to that was we just said we'll come to the show you want to hear more music you gotta to come to the show we're not gonna release more music we're not giving any of free there's no videos there's no streaming yeah. nothing there's two songs out if you like those two songs and you want to know more about mm-hmm. this band you gotta to come to the show yeah so that really worked well for us because then we started really packing rooms and selling out in smaller clubs and promoters were just like blown away by it mm-hmm. they just because you know you show up you sell out a room and you, you know everybody's buying beer the bar's happy and all that so that's a really good trick that was a really good thing for us so yeah it was um a lot of it was just written around that time we you know around the start of the band writing songs for the band getting it getting the material together and, mm-hmm. yeah okay so how did you guys is um writing process and approach sort of change while you guys were touring and recording wild at heart yeah i think what the main thing that i really was considering on all the touring we did on the first record was i, I was watching the audience a lot and i was watching the parts of the songs and the parts of the set that they were really, really reacting to the most. Well, it's you got to know your audience, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I mean, what parts musically, like they were vibing on, or, or was getting them going, and I just tried to take those moments, yeah, and make them much bigger on the next record. So, just really taking that what was working on the first record already and making it on a much bigger scale on the second record. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um, from your guys' catalog, do you have a favorite song to play live at all? For both, like for all, for everything? Um, everything, or else you can pick one from each, or... Yeah, I don't know, I like, 
I really like the moment of the set when we play What About You because it just takes everything right down and yeah. shows another side of the band. Um, I always love playing Party to Your Dead. I'll always love playing Roadhouse. Um, and on the on the first record, or sorry, on the called Wild at Heart, on the new record, um, Ready to Roll is always a it's a, always a fan favorite, so that's fun. Um, Best in the West lately. We were just over in uh, in Europe, and that song was going off overseas. So that was really really fun. Yeah, man. I don't know. I could I could find something almost in every song in the set that I really enjoy. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So you actually just mentioned that you guys were over in Europe in the UK, uh, playing some shows with the likes of Airborne and Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. Yes. How was that for you guys? It was great, man. It was awesome. It was like. Uh, it's been a long time coming to be over in overseas. We signed in Europe at the end of last year. Oh, awesome. Actually, when we were finishing the North American tour with Airborne. Okay. And, uh, at that point, um, yeah, it was just sort of like this big state of planning kicked into gear of when are we going overseas how you know who are we going to be with and at that you know at that time we were talking to airborne about going overseas with them Mm -hmm. and then it all just came to fruition and so uh yeah the record came out in february and it was like the press in europe was insane man it was not that the press in north america wasn't but the 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 reviews well they're a lot more open to receiving that and their live music support seems to be a lot more steady without question um, the, but the press itself, just the reviews and the amounts of people who wanted to interview and wanted to, you know, get behind the band and interview and, and review and all these things mm-hmm. uh, over there was, you know, was awesome. So we knew there was really something. There really was, uh, there was something there, and it was just a matter of time before we got there. So to finally get over there um, and play to the fans and, and just be in that market, it was, yeah. it was awesome. Awesome. Uh, do you have any uh, favorite experiences from being over in Europe? Or... Yeah, uh, Glasgow, Scotland is one of my favorite places I've ever played. It's just the, the venue was amazing, but the crowd is. They remind me a lot of uh, the fans in uh, in Quebec. Okay. And in, Mont- and in Montreal, just so loud. Mm-hmm. Like you want them, to, you want them to make noise. They make noise, and they fucking get loud. So I really appreciated that. Um, also, you know, every basically every show was amazing. I don't know how many were sold out out of that whole run, but it was a lot. We never played to an em- empty room, even as an opener. Yeah. Ever, 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 ever. They get in early. They f- they start shows earlier. They get people in the door earlier, and. It, everybody shows up right as doors are open and they just rush the stage and then they're there ready to fucking go and it was I love that hmm. um, so that was great uh, where's another we played the Roundhouse in London legendary legendary venue it's uh it was this place where they used to turn the trains around really? and then it, they abandoned that they shut that down and then it abandoned it and then Pink Floyd and Zeppelin bought that building and oh. turned it into a rehearsal space. Holy crap. And then it became a venue. Uh, Hendrix played like one of his big first big shows in, in uh, London there. Uh, Motorhead played their first show ever there. Like it's just it's just fucking incredible. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, amazing. I think 3,000, 4,000 people. It's great. Oh, wow. That's fucking amazing. It was a good one. It was a good one, yeah. Uh, What was it like uh, being able to be around and meet someone as storied and as well? Someone who's as big in rock and roll's history as Phil Campbell. Phil's a great guy. Phil's a... Phil's a mate. Phil's a good bloke. You know, I don't know. He's uh, he's just very, very... If you know his story, you just know he's such a cool guy. Down to earth. And he's just... He doesn't, he's got no ego. You know, he's not one of those guys. He's just, a, he's just a really fucking cool guy. He's a great guy. He's a great guy to me and kept in touch with him since tour. And he's a wicked dude, man. We both like cars. Old classic cars. Both like guitars. And just like hanging out. Talk, talking, you know, talking war stories. Deadly. Uh, so, with the amount of touring that you've done in your lifetime, is there any item that you must have while you're on the road, or any must-have ritual before a show, or anything like that? Yeah, like I need, I need some time to myself. Not just myself, but the band has got to be together for me before a show. Yeah. Uh, I got to do my vocal warm-up before the show, so that's uh, just something that I, I rely on every night. Definitely a big part of my show and, you know, what I do. Um, you know, that and um, I don't know, man. I, I just, I got my little things in my in my head that I need to do. It's small shit. Like, I need, I just need, you know, water mm-hmm. I don't need much but I like water and I like to warm up and I like the band to be together before we go on so those are the those are the essentials for me alright that's good alright we uh, touched a little bit on one of your music videos earlier your music videos always seem to have a very good small town party vibe to them yeah yeah uh, do you who do you work with for those and do, are you the like do you guys like plan having that vibe behind everything or yeah for sure it's myself and Stewie Kubrick our directors kind of the, the minds behind how our videos come across and uh, you know we're just those guys naturally the world that we live in mm-hmm. is just in, in a lot of ways the world we've always lived in and what I mean by that is just we we are who we you know we are because we just haven't really changed you know yeah so we grew up the way we grew up you know in small towns in, in these rural areas of Canada playing music and skateboarding or dirt biking or, or you know just being at pit parties and mm-hmm. being in the bush hunting fishing all that shit and then just you take that and you mix, you take a lifetime of that and mix mm-hmm. that with rock and roll and really the out, the outcome is the wild. So it's only fitting that the visual aesthetic would match that because it's just naturally who we are. Definitely. It fits yeah. your guys' uh, vibe and sound very, very well. Yeah. So um, take it from the uh, slow burn music video. Yeah. Why is shooting a beer can the number one way to shotgun a beer? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a great. It was a. It was like just always shooting our videos. We just thinking, what are we gonna do? You know, what are we gonna do when we're we're hanging out and partying? What's you know what's a cool way to to get to get drunk? You know, was, opening beer with a chainsaw or shotgunning it by shooting a hole in it with a gun. 
That was it. Was like, the first time I saw that, I was like, that is so cool. <laughs> like, that is rock and roll right there. Dude, but you know what it is, right? It's just like sitting around and hanging out with like country dudes. That, you know, dudes are from the bush and they always got little party tricks like that. So, oh, yeah. Or I grew up, I grew up full, like just with a list full of that shit. So, you know, you hang out with us and you have a good time doing that sort of stuff. It's deadly. All right, so uh, what are some of the future plans that the Wild has in store for 2018 and possibly beyond that? Just, um, you know, obviously there'll be another record at some point, but uh, yeah. this one's doing really well and we're, we're still definitely touring it. We've got a lot of dates left into, into the new year in the U.S. and more in Canada. We'll be back over to Europe again. Yeah, dude, it's just working man just that's the thing of this band we we definitely got to this be at this point just from hard work and you just keep your head down and just keep fucking working that's the the real key to success is well that's it is it's if if you doubt yourself or second guess it even for a moment you could that could set you back yeah you gotta this thing a, a really someone really close to me once told me the harder you work the luckier you get that's always been the mo of this band is just work you create your luck by working hard and you just fucking work work, no doubt keep your head down and work hard exactly as long as you got that goal in mind and you're willing to work towards it yeah put working your ass off there's no reason why you can't achieve it right exactly deadly i love that mindset so uh who are some of your high school idols or inspirations uh musically oh musically in life either or man i don't know man i Depends, like, depends, depends in what walk of life, you know? Mm-hmm. So I always, like, music's just been my thing always. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, musically, there's a lot of guys, Lars Fredrickson, Mike Ness, mm-hmm. but then, like, Steve Ray Vaughan and Dimebag, a lot of, a lot of guys, different guys for different reasons, really, you know? Yeah. Bon Scott, of course. You know, it's just, again, it's, uh, it, it depends on, on how I look at it. But, like, and then, it, you know, other other ways, my dad was a big part of my life, and, and musically as well, because without him also being a musician, I wouldn't have really looked at music, maybe. Maybe I would have, maybe I wouldn't, but it was yeah. definitely him, you know, steering, steering those wheels at a young age. That's good. Yeah. It's good to have somebody to push you in that direction, especially early on. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, so, what are your interests outside of the wild and your music? Um, honestly, don't have a lot of time for anything else. But what I do, I like you know, classic cars, motorcycles, tattoos, getting tattooed, hanging out with the fellas. You know, pretty pretty standard man. Pretty pretty standard kind of guy. I like cooking bullshit when I'm at home because you know eat like shit on the road. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty open book. Kind of what you see is what you get. Kind of guy. Nice. Do you have a specific tattoo artist you enjoy, or do you like to spread the love a bit? Yeah, I got a lot of work from a lot of different guys, but uh, you know, my main homie Dustin Croche is uh, no longer with us. He did a lot of oh. a lot of tattoos on me. I miss him a lot, so I just you know, give up to the memory of D. 
Well, at least you have some uh, memories you can always carry with you, not only in your yeah. mind, but also in your skin. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. There's a lot of great tattooers out there, man. There's a lot of, unfortunately, I have a lot of friends that have been really, uh, really, done really well for themselves as tattoo artists. Heather Lefebvre, you know, one of my best friends, Otis Tattoo. She tattooed my stomach recently. And nice. absolutely love her and her work. And yeah, man. Just uh, a lot, a lot of homies to give it up for in the tattoo world. So. All right. Uh, you also said you uh, like some classic cars and motorbikes. Do you have uh, some? Do you have a motorbike or some cars of your own? Or yeah, man. I think you're working on. Yeah, I got a '65 Deville. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, it's the, the white one from the Roadhouse video. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's yours. Yes. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> And he's even got a tattoo. Yeah. That is sick. Yeah, no, I grew up around classic cars. My grandfather uh, retired doing uh, rods and, and all sorts of stuff. Actually, he had a couple of rods, a couple of T-birds, a couple of this, a couple of that. He, I think when he when he died, he had like thirty or twenty or something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. So, Holy so being around crap. at a young age was a big part of that for me. No doubt, that'll definitely put it in your mind and yeah. set you right on that goal. Oh, yeah. fucking rights, man. All right, we're almost at the 30-minute uh, mark. I almost have to let you go so you can go grab some grub. So I'll give you one more question. Yeah, man. It's the holidays right now. So what is Thrillin' Dylan's favorite holiday movie? <laughs> uh, I'm not a big uh, holiday movie guy, but I, I will say Home Alone. Home Alone. Home Alone, and also it's Dylan Villain. Dylan Villain? Yeah. Fuck. Sorry. Thrillin' Dylan's a wrestler back home. That's cool. That is my bad entirely. You're Dylan good. Villain. You're good. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, get hanging with you, buddy. Thank you so much for doing this. No worries, man. All right. I want to give a big shout out to Dylan Villain of the Wild for taking time out of his busy schedule to give me half an hour, sit down and talk with me so that I could present it to you guys, the listeners of the Desert Tiger Podcast. If you guys want to find out more about The Wild, you can find them on their website, thewildrockandroll.com. You can look them up on Facebook by looking up The Wild. You can find them on Twitter and Instagram at thewild underscore band. And you can find Dylan Villain himself on Instagram by looking up dylan.villain. You can also find their music, that being their EP, Goddamn Wild Boys, and their full-length album, Wild at Heart, both produced and mixed by legendary producer Mike Fraser. You can find that on iTunes, or you can find the physical copy on their website by clicking the store tab. I also want to give a huge shout-out to Bill for hooking up this interview. I don't know how to pronounce your last name, Bill. I'm not even going to try, just so I don't get it wrong. But either way, you're kicking ass, buddy. So thank you so much. I also want to thank you guys, the listeners of the Desert Tiger Podcast. Whether you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, Castify, Castify has its own app now, so you can get Stitcher, CastBox, and Castify all for free in your app store. So if you want the Desert Tiger Podcast and any of the other amazing podcasts that you listen to on the go, I suggest grabbing one of those apps. You can subscribe to the Desert Tiger Podcast on any of those services, and you can also rate and review the show on iTunes, and we ask that you please do. also want to give a huge shout-out to Libsyn 
for featuring the Desert Tiger Podcast as their Rockin' Lipson podcast this week. You can find a link to the interview I did with them on my Facebook or my Twitter. And you can find that on Desert Tiger Entertainment on Facebook. Or you can look up Desert Tiger Podcast on Twitter, which is also our Instagram handle. You can also email the show at desert.tiger.podcast at gmail.com. If you want to give us some questions, suggestions, or tell us how much you love the show, because we love hearing from you guys, and we will definitely shout you out. Next week's guest is Dan Moxon of Bend Sinister. Bend Sinister have a very, very specific sound that catches the ears and grabs you and makes you want to move your feet, dance along. I'm extremely excited for my interview with Dan Moxon, and I hope that you guys are too. But before we can let you go, you know that we have to leave you with a little bit of a quote to get you going, get you a little motivated, and get you to the weekend. So this is our quote. A year from now, you will wish you had started today. That is a quote from Karen Lamb. What does that mean? It's simple. Don't keep leaving things until tomorrow. Procrastination is more than a habit. It's a destination. And it's not very far. In fact, it is usually behind you. So do something today to move the ball forward. Move the needle forward that you keep putting off. Start today and make it a habit. It takes 28 days to create a habit and 15 years to master a craft. So get out there and kick some ass, guys. Because I know that you guys can achieve whatever the fuck you believe. Alright, so I hope that you guys had a great time here. I know that I did. I hope you have a very happy holidays, no matter what you celebrate, no matter what you support, no matter what you believe. If you're part of the Desert Tiger family, we are one big family, and we hope that you have a very happy holidays. And remember that if you guys are going to chug beer by shooting the can, make sure there's nobody behind you and make sure you waste as little beer as humanly possible. Until next week, big whoop whoop! The Desert Tiger Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. iTunes, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Thanks for listening.